We are going to uh, continue our journey of thinking together as a church family, what it's like to grow together in 2024. Um, January is that time where we often think about what do I want to be different this year and you'll be impressed with me when you hear that I have installed a fitness app on my phone and uh, I have managed one week so far of doing all the exercises. So um, check in on me next week and the week after that, please, because I don't have a really good track record of keeping these things up, but I would really like to. So um, I don't know what you've been thinking of as you think about 2024 and what you would like to see and, and what areas of life you would like to grow in. But we thought about this verse last Sunday. For those who are here, you might remember it. And let us consider one another. Let's think about each other in order to provoke love and good works. In other words, not just for a new year, but any time, how are we thinking about each other and how we're helping each other to live lives that are full of love and good works? And uh, as we think about that and as we think this year, as we launch into 2024, are there some specific ways that God wants us to help each other grow in love and good works? Last week we focused on the kinds of words that we use, words that can either be very healthy or words that can be rotten. And we're going to continue to think about that today. Uh, we're going to think about um, ways of speaking that are great and ways of speaking that are terrible. Um, and in particular, we're going to think about two different types of speaking that can be both great and terrible, and we need both. Now, kids, who likes making paper airplanes? All right. I have made mine. Um, I haven't decorated mine. You'll be decorating yours today. Um, uh, but I have a challenge for you today to make an aeroplane of the same design as mine. And we are going to have a throw-off uh, at the end of our time together to see whose aeroplane is going to fly the furthest, okay? So um, you'll be getting some instructions in a couple of minutes about how we're going to do that. Um, but as we think about the challenge that's ahead of the kids today, I want you to imagine an aeroplane. It's got two wings. All right, let's just pretend that I'm holding my other hand out, all right? The lapel mic didn't work this morning, so let's just, this is what we've got. So as you think about um, flying through life, and if you're going to go forward in a straight line, you need both those wings to be pretty, to be pretty even, right? Um, what happens if one of those wings falls off? And let's just say it's my right hand that's falling You're just going to spiral down and eventually crash. Um, so you don't want one wing, you need two wings. And today we're going to think about two ways of speaking and we need both of them. Uh, those ways are challenge, when you challenge somebody to do better, and celebration, when you, when you notice and affirm the things that people are already doing really well. Now, sometimes we don't really like to be challenged. Um, we prefer to be celebrated. But if that's what happens, we're just going to spiral down. We're not going to grow. We're not going to get anywhere. And eventually, we'll just crash and burn. But if you have both challenge and celebration in the right balance, you can move forward in life and you can grow to be all that God wants you to be and do all that God wants you to do. Um, when we think about how we challenge each other, though, and how we celebrate each other, um, we do have a bit of a problem. And Graham referred to it earlier when he, he mentioned that there is such a thing as sin in our lives and every human being struggles with it. And the way that we speak isn't always healthy and it's not always helpful. Some of the ways we speak can be rotten. And you've probably experienced what it's like to be challenged in a rotten way and even maybe celebrated where you kind of go, oh, I don't know if that's really, really all that genuine. And so we, we want to think about how we do it poorly so we can avoid that and how we do it well so we can do more of that and that's what our whiteboards are for today and so we'll get into that in a moment. Um, how do we uh, get the guidance we need to make sure that we are challenging each other and celebrating each other really well? 
Well, we believe the Bible is God's gift to us to give us all the instructions we need. And here's one of my favourite verses about that. Uh, Well, it's two verses. And uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to his young friend Timothy and he says, All scripture is inspired by God. And literally the idea is it's been breathed out by God. And it's profitable, it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and for training in righteousness. Now, how do you do all of these things? All of these things involve a combination of challenge where people can do better and celebration when you notice what is already going really well. And we'll learn more about that a little bit later as we see how Jesus does it. But they have a purpose and the purpose is so that the man of God, because Paul's writing to Timothy who's a man, doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, it's for all of us, so that the person of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In other words, when we speak into each other's lives in the way that God's word, the Bible, equips us to, we help each other to fly. We help each other to be equipped to do every good thing that God planned out for us to do. It's a wonderful gift that we give each other. So let me tell you a little bit about the airplane activity, kids, and then you can head to Carolyn at the back. Actually, you're really um, amazing people. You can walk and listen at the same time. So as you walk to Carolyn at the back and get your stuff, you can also be listening to me. And I'll put a picture up here on the screen. Here we go. What you were going to receive, and I have a copy here, uh, just so the uh, adults know what you get to do. Um, you're going to get a piece of paper that has an, a template on it. And we're going to do the folding at the end. Okay, kids? So we're not going to fold yet. We're going to decorate. Um, now, here are things you really need to remember. For all of you, don't put your stickers on the dotted lines because that's going to make it really hard to fold, okay? No stickers on dotted lines. That's not too hard to remember, is it, Riley? No, you've got that all covered. So keep the stickers off the dotted lines. That'll be really helpful. And for those of you who are a little bit older, um, you're going to write some words in the different sections of the aeroplane and that's going to help you remember what you learned today. So... We are going to learn about some healthy ways to challenge people and some healthy ways to celebrate people. And they're in the sections that are closest to the word challenge and the word celebrate. In the middle section, if you notice anything that is a rotten way to challenge or a rotten way to celebrate, write those things down in the middle section. And when we fold our planes, you'll see how those disappear, which is going to be amazing. So uh, for the older kids who can handle that level of difficulty... Um, You can write down what you're hearing and what you're learning as we go through our teaching time today. So looking forward to seeing those planes decorated and I'm looking forward to our fly-off a little bit later in our time together. So let's do what um, 2 Timothy talked about and look to the Bible as being breathed out by God to help us learn how to do this really well. And we're going to learn from the Master himself, Jesus, as he does a really great challenge and a really great celebration in his conversation with somebody. And this story is found in Luke chapter 7. So I'd invite you to turn there in your own Bibles. It's always better to see it in your lap if you're able to, um, but I will also have the words on the screen for you. Uh, Luke 7 from verses 36 to 50. Let's read the story. Then one of the Pharisees invited him, being Jesus, to eat with him. So he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, in those days, you didn't kind of pull up a chair and sit at the table. Um, And we've kind of showed you this before. So, 
oh yeah, I'll do it. So kids, this is, this is how you sat at the dinner table in those days. You'd be down on your left elbow, you'd be on a couch, and you'd be kind of lying like this, so your feet would be behind you, the food's on a table just there, and you get to just kind of eat at your leisure. So that's, that's what dinner times look like. And that might be what dinner time looks like at your place too, if you're just you know, eating on the floor in front of the telly or something. But that's, that's what they were doing, they were reclining together at the table. Okay, and a woman in the town who was a sinner... Now, we already thought earlier in our service about the fact everybody sins. You know, we're, we're all in the same position. But sometimes people get labelled with, that's what they're like. They sin a lot. And she was somebody like that. She didn't meet everyone's standards and expectations. So a woman who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She bought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet. So again, imagine this. The table's kind of in the middle there. Everyone's kind of lying at the table and the feet are on the outside. So she doesn't even come to the table and join in with anyone. She stands on the outside and she washes Jesus' feet with her tears. She... uh, She was weeping, she began to wash his feet with her tears, she wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. And uh, so if you can just imagine that scene as it played out, and now um, I wonder how people are reacting to this. Here they are having a meal together, this lady comes in and she starts doing stuff with one of the people's feet and they're just going, hmm, what do we think about this? Well, one of them thinks something that's not too great. So we'll continue the story from verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. So here's some examples of somebody doing what I would call a rotten challenge. So let me get my uh, whiteboard marker out here and we'll put challenge over on this side and uh, I will nervously write hoping my whiteboard doesn't fall over. Now challenge can be really healthy, in fact it's very important, but it can also be rotten. So we're going to do the rotten stuff on the bottom and what do we notice about the way Simon thinks thoughts which challenge who this lady is and what she's doing and expects her to be doing better. Well, one, well, first of all, let's look at how he thinks about Jesus. He's feeling contempt. Now, contempt is when you think less of somebody. You don't really respect them. And he's going, well, if he really was a prophet, now, this guy obviously doesn't really know what's going on like I do, because if he was a prophet, he wouldn't let this woman anywhere near him. He's holding Jesus in contempt. He's, he's thinking less of Jesus in that moment. There's something else that he's thinking to himself, and this is a challenge thing. Somebody should do better. He's condemning. And it's all to do with the way that he is looking at this woman. Here's a woman who has come in. She's weeping and she's doing something really lovely to Jesus. But what does he see? He sees everything he already knows about this woman. He's not commenting at all on what she's doing, except that she's touching Jesus. He's thinking, I know who this is. She's a sinful person. She doesn't belong here. He shouldn't be letting her touch him. He's thinking only thoughts that condemn. He's not curious. He's not thinking, I wonder if she's had a change of heart. I wonder if she's hoping to change her ways. Nothing like that. It's just wrong, you don't belong, condemn. And so that's, that's a kind of a challenging thought where you could be doing better. But is it helpful? 
Is it healthy? Does it produce anything good? Holding people in contempt and condemning them? No, not great examples of challenge. And you might have experienced some of those as well. And notice that these rotten challenges aren't actually spoken to the person who he's thinking about. He's just thinking them in his own head. But Jesus knows that and it's still important enough to Jesus to address it. Even our thoughts matter to God. And how does he know that this woman is a, a sinful person? Well, probably people in the town have had a bit of a natter. You know how these things happen. Did you hear about what so-and-so did? And so they've been spreading these, these kind of comments around so that together they're, they're all agreeing that that person really should do better. No one's talking to her about it. No one's helping her with it. They're standing back. These are rotten ways to challenge. In fact, they're not real challenges at all. It's like a, um, what should be happening where they should be challenging her healthily. They've actually mutated that into something really horrible. And that's what's going on. And Jesus notices it and says, no, that's not the kind of culture that I want to be a part of. That's not the kind of behavior that I want to approve of or I want to even allow to, to happen in my presence. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to set a different tone. So Jesus knows what Simon's thinking. He responds really thoughtfully, just like Hebrews 10 said, hey, let's consider how we're going to do this. And instead of just telling Simon off, he helps Simon to understand the situation better by telling a short story. And this is the story Jesus tells. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. So think about that. Um, the person who owed the 50 denarii, that's a, a couple of months of wages. Um, the 500, that's 10 times that. Okay? So both large debts, both unable to pay, both in the same situation. They couldn't do anything about it. But one's debt was this big and the other debt was you know, through the roof. Continuing on. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, well, I suppose the one he forgave more. You have judged correctly, Jesus told him. Now that's all to get Simon thinking, because Jesus is about to speak to Simon in a very challenging way, a way that's going to be very good for Simon to hear. But he wants Simon to be in a good, thoughtful place before he does that. So he's preparing Simon to hear a really important truth. And you might remember some other stories in the Bible where people do this. It's a very helpful thing to do. Then, here it comes. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Well, yeah, Simon saw her. She walked in and he straight away said, What's she doing here? And she shouldn't be touching him. But Jesus says, Do you see this woman? Now, I want you to notice this. God always sees you. He doesn't see you in the way that other people do. He sees who you really are. And he sees you through eyes of love, not eyes of contempt or condemnation. It's important that we know that. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Now, this is kind of mind-blowing stuff for all of those who were at the meal. See, Simon the Pharisee, he's the guy who they celebrate all the time. He's the guy they greet in the marketplace. He's the guy they ask advice of. He's the guy who gets invited to all the special occasions and sat in the seat of the VIP because he is the one who we think is amazing and awesome and so qualified and so spiritual and so wise. And you know, He is the guy. And you've got this lady 
who everyone is used to looking at and you know, crossing the street and avoiding. And you know, she's, she's the person you don't want to be associated with. You don't want her reputation to rub off on you. Um, it actually feels good when you get together with your, your good pals and you condemn her because it makes you feel like good people and because somebody else is worse than you. And she's at the very opposite end of the spectrum. And what does Jesus do in this moment? He doesn't challenge her like they think he ought to and celebrate him like they think he ought to. He actually says, no, no, what this woman most needs right now is to be celebrated. And what this guy needs most now is to be challenged. He completely reverses what people think ought to happen and how people see these two people, the Pharisee and the sinful woman. So if you were going to ask those people, who would God celebrate in this moment? Oh, it's celebrate the Pharisee. He's doing a great job. Uh, God wants to celebrate a repentant sinner. Who would God challenge in this moment? Oh, the woman who's not doing the right thing. No, no, no. God wants to challenge the person who thinks they're doing the right thing. And that's what Jesus goes ahead and does. Jesus points out that Simon had not received him as anyone special at all. Whereas this lady, she had treated him as he really is, as somebody incredibly special, as God himself. Despite the many wrong choices that this lady uh, might need to be challenged about, in that moment what she needed was to be celebrated for recognising Jesus and treating him as he really is, as God's son. The, the Pharisee hadn't um, done even the basic courtesies. You know, when Jesus had arrived, you know, you'd normally provide some water for them to wash their feet. In fact, if you're a decent host, you would provide a person who would wash their feet for them. Uh, he hadn't provided a little bit of olive oil just to uh, smooth the hair back. He hadn't uh, done those very basic things. But this woman had done it all, and not even to uh, a bit of oil for Jesus' head, not even a, a polite kiss on the cheek. What she'd done was kissed his feet and washed his feet and anointed his feet. She had gone above and beyond. And Jesus knew that it was important to celebrate that in this moment. As you think about how Jesus challenges Simon, he doesn't do it in the way Simon did. He does it like this. Oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, I was looking at my wrong list. That wouldn't have made sense. He challenges Simon carefully. Do you notice how he thoughtfully told a story, prepared Simon, helped Simon to hear the truth that he, he needed to hear? He didn't just give him a big lecture straight away. Um, he, he did it very thoughtfully and carefully. Um, he took time to notice what was really going on and address what really needed to be addressed. Um, how often do you just kind of react like this when you see somebody doing the wrong thing? How careful are you about thinking, what's the best way for me to help this person to see their behaviour and to decide to make a better choice than the one they are making in the moment. Uh, Jesus shows us how to do that really carefully. He's also very specific. And he's very specific about behaviour. Specific. He doesn't say, Simon, you're a terrible host. You are not a good person. You're proud and you're... Da -da -da. He doesn't attack Simon as a person, but he is very specific about things Simon did do and didn't do. He addressed specific behaviours with Simon. Uh, now, if, if somebody is going to challenge me, I can't just change myself. God can change me. I, I can't just change who I am. But I can change things that I do or don't do. So if I'm going to be challenged, I'd rather be challenged about something I can do something about than something I can't do something about. So when we challenge, like Jesus, how about if we challenge specific behaviours that we can actually do something about? That's the way to be helpful. 
Um, so as we look at how Jesus challenged, he does it in those ways, which are actually very helpful and healthy ways to challenge somebody. But how did Jesus celebrate this lady? Let me uh, write the word up here. Celebration. Just go grab a cuppa cup while I write this long word. Celebrate. So, so what are some things Jesus did that were very helpful? Again, he was very specific. Was Jesus saying to her, you're just such a wonderful person, you know, love you to bits? No, he was very specific. There were some things that in her, were in her life that weren't that great. We all know that. But he chose very specific things that she did do and said, well done for doing that. So there were specific behaviours that Jesus was able to celebrate for her. What else did Jesus do as a way of celebrating her? He defended her. Do you reckon she knew that everyone was looking down on her? Do you reckon she could feel their eyes, even if they weren't saying with their mouths what they thought of her? I think, I think she would have known that pretty well. But Jesus straight away looks to her and he defends her publicly. Um, that's a great way to celebrate somebody's worth and who they are. Um, affirming. So he didn't hold back in mentioning, again, those very specific behaviours and saying, well done. Now she knows what was great and we'll keep that up. And the other thing there on my list was, aha, noticing. Taking the time, not to just, you know, when somebody comes in, oh, I know that person, oh, I know what they're like, to actually notice things and to look for things to celebrate. Jesus shows us some really great ways to celebrate good things in people. Now, if Simon responds well to Jesus' challenge, he'll be more aware of his need for forgiveness and more in love with the God who forgives so generously. He'll be less proud and more thankful. He'll be less condemning and more welcoming. He'll be less contemptuous and more humble. It's going to be really great for him and those around him. And if the lady responds well to the things that Jesus celebrates, then she will keep doing these kinds of things. Uh, she will know that God forgives us when we are sincere. She will know that God accepts us whether we've measured up or not. She knows that no debt is too big for God to forgive. Uh, she'll go away feeling less shame and more joy, less worthless and more valued. She'll feel less trapped in those bad choices that she's made and more empowered to choose what is right because she knows that God is on her side and God wants to help her. She knows God is more interested in saving her than condemning her. And we see all of that reflected in what Jesus says from verse 47. So I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. And that's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this man and who, who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What a beautiful conversation that he had with that woman and also with Simon. And those lessons weren't just for Simon and for the lady known as a sinner. Everyone who saw and heard what just happened was impacted too. Those people who were used to just celebrating certain types of people and certain types of things and always condemning other kinds of people for the things that they don't get right, they've seen a whole new way of approaching. How do we celebrate and how do we challenge? What kind of community and what kind of culture are we going to build? And Jesus is able to give them a really great course correction. 
Last week we heard about a lady who received some healthy challenges from a friend of hers that helped her to fall in love with reading the Bible. And it's something that has affected her life so much that she has shared those lessons with other people, challenging others to to fall in love with reading the Bible too, and has helped thousands of people. In fact, there's 20 or more ladies in our congregation who are uh, using some of the tools that she's provided to help them read the Bible as well. Uh, A healthy challenge delivered in a way that helps somebody know, here's something I can do. Um, that will really help me to keep growing in love and in good deeds. On Friday night, we had uh, the reception for Ethan and Jess, and it was a really wonderful time, wasn't it? And we heard, uh, just as family and friends said things that celebrated Ethan and Jess as people and gave some really great challenges, it was just, it was felt like we were propelling them into the next season of life in just a really beautiful way. We need both of these things. We need to be celebrated really well, and we need to be challenged really well. So don't avoid either. But let's do both in the way that God teaches us to. So I want to challenge you. What are some ways that we can nurture healthy celebration and challenge as part of normal church life? What are we going to do when, like Jesus, we see some challenge happening? um, Or maybe uh, the story would be different and we see some celebration happening and we just go, oh, that's rotten. That's not what we want. What will we do to make sure we don't let that stuff grow and continue? What are some commitments we can make to God and each other? I wonder what sort of things you might like to talk about today as ways that we can nurture this kind of atmosphere in our church family. What will that look like for us? Now, kids, we're going to address the folding and the making of the planes soon. We're going to pray together. So here's the instructions. We're going to pray together. After we pray, I'm going to invite people, go grab a cuppa, um, hang around, chat, enjoy some great time together. Think about what we can do to encourage each other to learn how to challenge well and to celebrate well. Uh, let's share some stories of how it's worked really well in our lives. Let's, let's comfort each other if it's been happening really terribly um, and, and give each other hope that it doesn't have to keep being that way. Let's go talk about that kind of stuff and enjoy that time. But I would invite you to do it either in the back of the auditorium or in all those other places I mentioned because very soon we're going to get the kids up and we're going to be throwing paper planes and Rumbi, who looks after our health and safety, would be horrified if I allowed people to be there and cop a plane in the eye. She just would not be impressed with that at all. Uh, in fact, she would challenge me very rightly if I allowed that to happen. So, uh, so we want to make sure that nobody's going to be standing in the way of those planes when they start flying in about 10 minutes' time. So let's pray together and let's break for a time of fellowship. God, thank you for the way that you've designed us to work, where we need to be healthfully challenged. Uh, We need to be shown that uh, there's some areas in our lives that we're not quite yet living according to your truth. There's some things that are holding us back. There's some ways that our lives are uh, impacting others in really unhelpful ways. And we don't want to stay stuck in that. We want to be challenged, but in good ways, ways that help us to know what we can do and support us in doing it. Lord, we also need to be celebrated. We need to know that there are people in our life who are noticing when we are doing the things that you tell us to do and are pointing that out so that we can keep doing it, so that we don't forget and we don't give up, but that we realise how good it is and that we continue to do those things. Lord, both are so important for how we grow. So God, would you help us to never get into that negative way of challenging, of prejudging, of being um, harsh with each other, of being condemning and, and uh, disrespectful and all that kind of stuff. Help us to notice that junk and help each other to move out of those habits. 
Lord, similarly for the way that we celebrate each other, don't let us be empty in our flattery. Uh, Don't let us kind of be manipulative in the way that we do that, but help us really genuinely to celebrate what is good, to not be stingy with our praise, but to be very generous in the way that we build each other up and notice the growth that we're seeing in each other. Lord, we pray that as we do that in 2024, that over the course of this year, that you'll help our church family to feel more and more like a community that is helping one another to be like Jesus. That when people come in, that they'll experience more and more of what Jesus is like as we live in the ways that he has shown us. Lord, be glorified in us and help us to do good for others. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen.